get to it today. Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1 through 14. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all of Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, 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 heard it, he was in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of the king Solomon, that Jeroboam returned from Egypt. Then they sent from him and called him. And Jeroboam and all of Israel came, and they spoke to Rehoboam, saying, your father, speaking of Solomon, made our yoke heavy. Now therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, come back to me after three days. And the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders. Would you look at your neighbor real quick and say, elders. He consulted the elders who stood before his father, Solomon, while he still lived, saying, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, Watch here. If you are kind to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. That sounds really good. Sounds really nice. That's how you should probably treat people. Speak good about them. Say good things about them. You know, it's good stuff. But look at verse 8. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him, and he consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoke to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us, Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king had directed, saying, Come back to me on the third day. Then the king answered, said to them roughly, King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders. Now, let me just pause here real quick. When you hear the word elder, it's not talking just about someone who is older in age. There, there's a misteaching on that. An elder was one who was spiritually mature. You've heard me say this before. I know people who lived a lot of life who have not figured that part out. I know a lot of young people who think they have it figured out only to find out they don't have it figured out. Am I, am, I, am I preaching? Okay, good. Don't get all shy on me, by the way. So let me just make this clear. Because we read this and we go, well, wait, Rehoboam's, these were young guys in their 30s and 40s. These weren't teenagers. These weren't young adults. Okay? So I want to make that clear. Notice, he spoke to them according, the advice of the young man, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourge or with scourges. If you're taking notes today, I want to speak to you on the subject very simply. Your friends matter. That's the title of the message. You say, Pastor, I think I've heard this before. Maybe you have. Let me reiterate it again. Your friends matter. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Nate, thank you very much. Okay, 
So you say, I came to church today. What do you talk about? Friends? Yes. Correct. Talking about friendship today. Now, I hope, and it's my prayer, that you catch the, the essence of what I'm saying today, especially as we look at this story of a king, Rehoboam, who was the son of Solomon, who was a very wise king, but a young man who didn't understand just how important real friendship was, just how important his inner circle was. I want to propose to you that I believe this to be true. You may disagree, but I think there's power to this. I believe that many of us are one friend away from being the best that we could possibly be. Just one friend. I would say to you, no matter who you are, how long you've lived life, how little you've lived life, you're just one friend away from being the best you that God created you to be. You've heard me say this before. I think the best version of us is on the other side of community. I believe people who say, I've built myself, I've made myself, I am who I am and no one's helped, I think that's false. I think the best version of you is on the other side of community. I believe the best version of you could be one friendship away. On the tail side, I believe that you are also one friendship away from the worst you. You may not agree with that. You may be contemplating that. But I'm going to show you today through Scripture on why I believe this to be true. Not opinion. Not this is what Pastor Rich thinks or this is what Pastor Rich has observed. The Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. There you go. <laughs> okay, good. Some of you are like, you were raised in church. Okay. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. What led me to speak on this today was last week we had talked about how the wise walk with the wise. We talked about last week on how if we want to be wiser, we need to place people in our lives that have wisdom, that have lived life, that have experienced things. And we talked about how we just don't take them out to lunch and say, I've got a list of 10 questions that I want to ask you so I could be uh, more wiser. We talked about last week that if you want to be a wise person, as the Bible talks about, you've got to walk with the wise. That word walk literally means that you come alongside of them, that you do life together, that you, 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 you eat meals together, you share experience together, you pray together, you go to church together. It's not just this idea of like, man, if I want to be great, I've got to pull some of them apart, get those questions answered, and just walk away. No, 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 no. It's that you live a life around the wise. And last week, I kind of watched in the room. You guys know I do that, right? The same way you watch us up here, I kind of watch you too. And I kind of noticed that when I was talking about this idea of living life with people and, and walking with the wise and living in community, that that was a challenge for some of us. And I know it's furthermore of a challenge because in a, in a, a way that's not really fully complete, it's easy to see how technology can make the illusion that we have great friends and that we have great community. Yet at the same time, we have never been more shallow in our relationships with one another. Because when we can hide behind this and tell everybody that I'm having a good day, they don't get to see all the other stuff that goes on behind that. So what can happen is, is we can look at a person's life and go, man, life must be really good for them. They seem really happy. 
Well, you're only getting the filter. You're only getting the oh, wrong lighting. That, that's all you're getting. You, you listen, have you ever looked at somebody else's life and go, there's no way it could be that good? You ever, ever done that? Be honest, you're in church. Come on, it's like, you, you're like, I know these people. They can't be that happy. But yet when you look at their timeline, it's just like all you see is that. You, you don't see the argument between the spouse. <laughs> Hold on, let's take a picture real quick. Click, upload. You don't see it, do you? You, you don't see, I mean, maybe you see this one. But you don't most of the time see the kid in the corner who's throwing a fit for no reason other than someone took their toy and they've decided to ruin the whole day. You don't see a parent going, gotta get this right here. Now, I will say this. You ever seen that video where it shows a baby crying and a person throws a thing of cheese on their face? <laughs> Has anybody else seen that video? I was appalled at that. I'm like, you throw cheese on my kid's face, I'm throwing more than cheese at you. You know what I mean? But it's like, we don't capture the moments where there's this and put it out for everyone to see. I want you to hear me real quick. If you don't have people in your life that see the ugly in you, that see the tension, the struggle, the storms. If you don't have people to walk with you in those seasons and in those moments, I could say this with all of my heart, you are missing out on what God intended real friendship and real community to be. You're missing out. And the thing is, if you don't have that, there's certain things that God can't show you until you do. Yeah. We, we live in isolation, but we make it look completely different. Mm -hmm. I feel last week as I talked about this, and then as we read through the scriptures, I saw something that was even more dangerous. I saw a man who did live in community, but he had the wrong ones. And it cost him. Because here's what I know. If you've been coming here long enough, you know Canyon Hills exist to inspire and to equip people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Taylor, could you finish? For I'm just joking. <laughs> Intimacy with God, community with other believers, influence in our world. Did you know that's the mission of our church? Did you know the mission of our church is not to put on a Sunday service? Although it takes a lot. But did you know that's not our mission? Do, do, do you know, this is, this is family talk right here. If you're visiting with us, we're one big family. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. If our mission was to say our goal is to put on the best Sunday morning service, we have missed the mission of God. It's not the mission. The mission of our church is to have intimacy with God. How does that come? Through a church service, through the reading of our word, through prayer, through worship, all that. Community with other believers sounds really cute, huh? Until you start getting in community with other believers. And you realize that's not as cute as I thought it was. But it's real. And it adds depth to your life. Influence in our world, no way we can influence the world by ourselves. So it goes back to what? 
community with other believers, and intimacy with God. Rehoboam had some wisdom here that I think he got from his dad, Solomon, the wisest to ever live. Don't be alone. But Rehoboam listened to the wrong people. And one of the things that I think of quite often is, who are the voices in your life that are helping you make the big decisions that you're making? Who are they? Are they just great people? I love great people. But the bigger question is, is are they godly people? Does it mean that you can't learn something from someone who's not godly? Of course not. There's some wise people here. Does that mean that when I talk about living in community with other believers, that I isolate a world that's not believers? Of course not. I'm not saying that. It's a whole other message in and of itself. What I'm saying is, is the voices that are speaking into your life, are they godly or are they not? When your marriage is in trouble, are they godly or are they not? When your finances, your children, your job, your self-esteem, your mind, your heart, are they godly or are they not? We're going to try that again. For the rest of you in the room, when a group of people do this, you just follow along. I'll, I'll go for a good Baptist nod if you've got that too, okay? I love you guys. Listen, are they godly or are they not? Because again, you are one friendship away from the best you or the worst you. So Rehoboam, right? Here's the guy. Here's the king. Look, look at his life, okay? So the scripture is, he decides, I'm going to make matters worse. And he does. So how's the rest of the story go? So glad you asked. He gets married. He starts having kids. <laughs> Life's about to pick up real quick. He starts to fortify the cities when you read the story. He starts to get everything strong. He starts to do the things that his dad taught him to do. But in the process of it all, guess what he does? He forsakes the law of the Lord. He starts to walk away from God being his influence, which means he probably started walking away from those that were godly to be his influence. Because I'll say it again, you were one relationship away from the best you or the worst you. So Rehoboam walks away. All of a sudden, Egypt attacks Judah. It's back on again. It's the, it's the ever-evolving story of the Old Testament. If you've journeyed with this in person, online, or in our podcast, you're like, what in the world is going on? Easy. Dudes messed it up in Genesis, and a lady messed it up in Genesis. In the whole Old Testament, they'd get it right, then they'd get it wrong. Get it right, get it wrong, get it right, get it wrong. Over and over and over. A lot like life, right? Over. Here it comes again. And it just keeps happening. Ray Bohm's got it too. Now, keep in mind, isn't this crazy? Remember what I said last week? I'm talking real fast. Let me slow down. Remember what I said last week? When Solomon was anointed and appointed king, what did God say? For your reign, Israel will live in peace. You remember that? One king later, Solomon's gone. It's back again. Man. So, great news in the story. Here it is again, cycle, all over again. Rehoboam humbles himself. You, you can go read it. Or you probably read it this week if you're reading with us. That's another promo right there, by the way. Read with us. Start getting shirts. Read with me. Rehoboam humbles himself. And what does God do? In his mercy and in his grace. Again. 
This is how good God is. God's a mean God. God of the Old Testament, mean God. Read your Bible. No, he's not. Time and time and time again, God, long-suffering towards us, spares his life. Rehoboam's life is spared. And at the age of 41, he becomes king. And he reigns for 17 years. But here's the sad part. In all of those years as king, he was at war. Why? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Because he chose the wrong friends. He allowed the wrong influence in his life in a major decision to steer him wrong. I know you guys are smart people. I say this every week when I'm up here. Why am I up here? One of them could easily be up here. You're smart. Are you getting what I'm saying? You say, well, this doesn't go over. Take a fact check on your life and ask yourself when you made poor decisions who the influence was in your life. If it wasn't someone, that means you were relying on yourself. That's just as bad. Go, go ahead. Just go back in your mind real quick. Let, let's just take inventory here. I'm a very personal, let's just talk about, think about a major decision you made that went wrong. Who helped you in the process? And if no one else did and you relied on yourself, can I just be straightforward, lovingly? How'd that work out for you? Okay, now everyone look at me. Smile, smile. Don't beat yourself up, right? What happens in these moments is we come face to face with something that we're learning from the Bible. And what it does is it causes us to look on the inside and say, huh, you know what? That's what it was. And what I love about that is, oh, I love this part so much. This is my favorite part. People say, well, God must be done with me. Nope. God's never done with you. Oh, pastor, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've thought. <laughs> I don't have to know. God knows, right. right? And if God knows, then God knows how to get your attention again. Mm -hmm. That's what God does. So Rehoboam chooses the wrong friendship, and it costs him. So what do we do about that? So if I'm, if I'm one friendship away from the best me or the worst me, and it comes to my friends, what is it that I need to know? Okay, you guys ready for me to lighten this up a little bit? All right, here we go. Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one. Oh, I love that. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. Three, funny, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I was just throwing that in there, by the way, because the word three came up there. Your, your life is better together. Look at what T.S. Eliot said. He said, what is life if we have not life together? Man, I love that. Donald Mukula, or Mukala, he's a writer. He says, when we consider the blessing of God, 
those gifts that add beauty and joy to our lives and enable us to navigate through life's ups and downs, friendship is near the very top. I'm telling you this, when you have a friend who could stick with you, who could be with you, who can laugh with you, who can cry with you, who can do all of those things, I'm telling you, life is good. Think about this. The very nature of God is relationships and friendships. Think about that. All the way from the beginning, the concept of the Trinity. We see God saying, let us make man in our image. God wasn't alone. God's about us. And the reality of that one statement tells us that God was never in isolation. So why do we get in isolation? Why do we not have friends? There's an us. Jesus in Matthew 26 in the garden. He's asking his friends to watch and to pray. We, we look at Paul in the New Testament incredible with friendships, writes often about them. 27 times he makes reference to friends or to friendship. This is the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think you get it. But here's what I've learned. Maybe you know this too. Friendship is, it doesn't come by accident. You guys remember Toys R Us? Anybody? I know they're setting them down. Shame on them. Shame, 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 shame. Listen, you, it, you can't go to Friends R Us and pick a friend off the shelf. Nope. Some of you are like, that'd be cool though. <laughs> you can't. Man, relationship, friendship, it's not by accident. It's intentional. And, and let me just say this real quick, because anytime you talk about friendships, man, you're like, man, well, how many do I need to have? I don't know. There's no strict number, but you do need them. Yeah. You, you need to have someone. Oh, man. Golden Girls, the show, remember? I don't know why that theme song just came back into my head. Pray for your pastor. Thank you for being a fool. There you go. All right, so let me give you three points. Okay, three things about friends, and I'm going to share something with you that I think is going to help you take your next step. Because here's the deal. If we speak on something that's going to challenge you, you need to have a next step. Did you know, fun fact, everyone has a next step? Did you know that? It's like salvation. If you've given your life to Christ, what's your next step? Water baptism. Okay? What's your, everyone's got a next step. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, you have a next step. You've got one. In your walk with Christ, you've got a next step all the time. We all do. So I'm going to give you a next step. But I've got to give you three points first to help us understand friends. So what is a true friend? Number one, a true friend is faithful. Everyone say Faithful. All right, now you got to get interactive. Faithful, creating a sense of long-term security. You ever heard the term fair-weathered friend? You ever heard that? They're with you when all is good, and then when all gets bad, they're nowhere to be found. That was not a friend. No way. A true friend, faithful. Even when you do something that in the world's eyes is wrong, is embarrassing, is shaming, that friend says, you're my friend. I'm not leaving you. I'm faithful to you. It's a two-way street. Meaning, they see the good, they see the bad, they see the ugly, but they're your friend. Do you have somebody in your life that knows the worst about you? Oh, I guess so. No, no, really, really. Check it out. Do you have a friend in your life that knows the worst things about you? Because if you do, you'll understand just how much it means to you. 
that someone can know the worst about you yet still love you. Amen. Still want to spend time with you. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good one right there. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Pause. Pastor, I don't have any friends. First thing I always say, are you friendly? Do you know how to smile? Can you say hi? I tell guys all the time that they want to, you know, meet a Christian girl and eventually get engaged and get married. I'm like, well, have you ever, like, you know, introduced yourself to them? Well, no. Well, it's not going to work. Like, you're just going to come to church and sit, and if I make eye contact with them, they're the one. <laughs> I tell young guys all the time, can you put on some nice clothes? Can you clean your car? Say, Pastor, don't get type A on me. I'm just going somewhere with this, okay? Can, can, you, can you dress nice? Can you clean your car? Can you smile and say hi? And then I also get a little bit harder with guys. Do you have a job? I'll tell guys all the time, if you ain't got a job, you have no business asking a woman of God out. They look at me like, I'm like, no, she deserves the very best. And if you can't work a job, you don't get a lady, which means you're like the Apostle Paul, go build a tent and bring a revival. It's what Paul did. It's in the Bible, okay? <laughs> Wasn't married. What I'm saying, I tell guys all the time, just say hi. Okay, anyways. Um, anyways, if you want friends, I got to ask you a question. Are you friendly? Can you be a nice person? I tell you what, the, the people that I know that don't have any friends, I'm telling you, you want to know why? It's no one else's problem. It's their problem. They're mean. Don't look at me that way. You, you think it all the time too. I've had to look at people and say, listen to me. You need to be nice. Be nice. You guys are getting quiet on this one. Is this a struggle? Be nice. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you have a friend who's faithful? Better yet, are you a friend who's faithful? Because if you're going to have friends, it goes both ways. Number two, you got to be thoughtful. A real friend is thoughtful. And what this does is it creates a relationship that is sensitive and it's caring. Now, gentlemen, don't get thrown off by that word sensitive and caring. Those are good words. Nothing wrong with them. Doesn't mean you're a sissy. Can I say that in church? Is that okay? Okay. You've got to be thoughtful. Now, how are you thoughtful? If you've got a, if you've got a, a, a worship guide, you can fill in the blank here. You've got to be thoughtful in your words. Some of us, we need to watch our words. If we're going to be great friends, look at your words. Proverbs eleven twelve, A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Careful with our words. H have you ever noticed how the closer you get to people, the more careless you become with your words? You get comfortable, right? If, you, if you're married, you see this to be true. You just get careless. And then words come out and you're like, come back. Come back, please. It happens. The Bible teaches in numerous places that if we're not careful with our words, that they can undermine our relationships. Our words are powerful. So for friendships, you, you got to be sensitive. Also, too, in, in the fill in the blank, you got, you got to be in your promises, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're going to be thoughtful and you give your friend 
your word. Keep your word, even if it costs you, even if it hurts. Proverbs 25, 14, like billowing clouds that bring no rain is the person who talks big but never produces. Can I just give you a tip? Always under-promise and over-deliver. Because when you go vice versa, you let people down. When you over-promise to gain the approval of someone or to get on their good side, when you over-promise and under-deliver, that causes problems. Go vice versa. Under-promise, over-deliver. Lastly, and the value that you place on your friend's time. Now, I wrestled with this one as Nate comes. I wrestled with this one. Proverbs 25, 17. And when you find a friend, don't outwear your welcome. <laughs> Show up at all hours, and he'll soon get fed up. You ever had a friend stay just a little too long? Let me make sense of this real quick. You've got to place value on your friend's time. Now, this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, but I want you to hear this, okay? Unfortunately, we have created a culture that moves way too fast and has way too much. Could you agree? Show of hands. I want to make sure I'm speaking to the right crowd here, okay? The reality is you can only handle so many friendships. That's across the board. It doesn't matter how you are, how gifted you are, what type of personality you have. It doesn't matter. Everyone's got 24 hours in a day. It's equal all the way across the board. Where I've seen friendships go wrong is when one party, and I'm, I, hear me on this, it's not a put down on those who don't, don't have as much responsibilities as their friend does. Now follow with me. And so that one friend who has gone from college to being a young married to having jobs, both of them having jobs to then having kids and then kids having stuff. The friend who doesn't have all that going starts to put down the friend that has a lot going. And then words start to happen like, well, you don't value me. We don't hang out enough. And there's always this weird tension going on, right? I know this is really practical, but just hear me out on this. And so what happens is we put people in a place where, well, they should be doing, we're friends, they should be at this, they should come to that, they should go to this. Listen, their life has changed. And you need to understand that. So what you need to do is if this is a friend in your life that is a great friend, is as life changes and as seasons changes, you have to kind of walk that with them. So what you do is you start to take advantage of time in a very practical way. I'll give you an example. You know Sunday is a great day to connect with people, right? You're already here, and mostly all of you are going out to lunch, or you're going to do lunch after church, right? What a great way to grab some friends and say, let's go grab some lunch. Because then what happens is Monday comes through Friday, and all of us are like, dear goodness, hold on. Life's about to get crazy, right? Anybody else in that world, or is it just me? So what I've learned to do, and this is something that's helped me, is I've learned to say there are friends and people that I want to hang out with because they make me a better version of me. But we live in two different worlds during the week. So I've leaned into my schedule and said, this is a great way for me to connect with them. And so I do. I know it's a real practical, but I think that could help some of us when we understand if we're going to value our friends' times, we have to understand when their life changes. And then when we can get together, get together and have it out. Have a great time. Those moments will come. 
Don't walk away from great friendships that God has put in your life. Roll with it. Everyone say roll with it. All right, so you got to be thoughtful. Lastly, and I close with this, is you have to be honest. If you're going to have great friendships, you've got to be honest. And what this does is this creates an environment for mutual growth. Now, look at Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You ever just look at Scripture sometime and go, God, why'd you put that in there? Anybody? You guys are getting quiet. I know I'm going, hmm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. So what that saying is, is when you place people in your lives that only tell you what you want to hear, it will deceive you. But when you place people in your life that are, notice the first word, it's a faithful thing. They're committed to you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 27, 9. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Hearty, hard counsel. We read this earlier, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You need an honest friend in your life, by the way, that have earned their way into your life. You guys have heard me say this. They've earned a place. In other words, you have given them a place to say, speak into my life. Shoot straight with me. We all know what it feels like to have somebody speak into our lives who have not earned a place in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? Can you say things like this, like, who cares what you say? You ever done that? Okay. But what happens now when you've placed somebody in your life and you've given them permission to say, if you see something in me, please call it out. What do you do? You receive it. That's what I'm talking about here. You, you got to have a truthful friend that says, okay, I saw your tone towards that person. You need to address that. Let's talk about this for a little bit. I don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I think we get it. Again, you guys are a smart bunch. But that matters. It's a kingdom principle. Do you have somebody in your life that can say, don't do that? What were you thinking? Hey, have you really thought this through? Those are great friends. So a true friend is faithful, a true friend is thoughtful, and a true friend is honest. They're honest people. And it goes both ways. I want to end with this quote, and then I want to help you take a next step. I believe friends don't let friends live ordinary lives. Sounds really cute, right? Another cute little quote. Come on, all you Hobby Lobby ladies. You're like, that would just go good at the front of my door. <laughs> friends don't let friends live ordinary lives. Do you have a friend that brings out the best in you? Do you have a friend that says, hey, don't do that. Don't be ordinary. If God's God, dream big. Man, if God put that in your heart to do, go do it. I'm behind you. Do, do, do you have that friend when everybody else is not applauding? They're applauding. 
friends don't let friends live ordinary lives.